Alrighty, welcome back. We are back for another podcast this week, um, and it's, it's been a good week for you, Husey. Just we'll start off with a, a splash. A I'm week. Luke. Husey is my co-host, and and <laughs> he's just named himself. What was it? Hustradamus. 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 Future. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, I, I made a, a mention earlier that he was Nostradamus because of how good I've his got picks... that twenty twenty two vision. <laughs> how good his, his picks have been, been, and uh, well, yeah, he uh, yet to be wrong with an asterisk there, but we'll, we'll discuss it. In a little look, bit. I did. Say, I did say my yeah. I did look. We'll, yes, he said. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Yes, so, so yeah, obviously we'll get into that. Uh, big news of the week, other than the NFL, which we will get to, don't worry, is first prediction of 2022, Houston <laughs> Armist was right, Novak Djokovic not playing in the Australian Open. Um, and I guess, yeah. like, like you said, you didn't think there was enough time to turn around. I think there probably, no. in the end, there probably was enough time, it just he hadn't done the right things to turn it around. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. Yeah, no visa to port your bitch is gone. Um, he <laughs> lied on his forms. He just he did everything wrong. Just you know, he was so deceitful and untruthful the whole time that I think if they had let him stay, with the amount of grey areas and asterisks and clearly falsehoods that were in his application, it would have been a huge slap in the face to every Australian that couldn't come home to see their family during the holiday period or during other times during COVID. So, look, you know. As much as people want to chalk it up to uh, the government scoring political points and things like that, there is obviously an element of that to it. But I also think that it was the the right move, um, politics or no. It just was the right move in the end. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, happy male tennis players now. <laughs> Definitely. And, um, yeah, I guess I, I, I agree with you too. It's, you know, in the end, if you're going to lie that much, it's probably you're probably going to get caught out. Um, I think... I have read a couple of comments since that, and I think he's definitely going down the right route of of winning the support of the. Yeah, I don't want to say the extremist, but you know what I mean. Like he's going to sit there yeah. and play. He's not. He hasn't played like. Oh, I feel sorry for me. He's going to be like, let's follow the rules. You know, we'll just we'll take this one in our stride, and everyone's going to be like, look how good of a person he actually is, and this and that. And I I don't argue with the fact that he's probably not that, that good of a person, and, and definitely some facets of his life it was just. All this COVID stuff, he's kind of taken the wrong step and, and the wrong approach, or I guess the approach that suits him the best and what he's felt is the best for himself. Um, and yeah. I think that's where he's. You want another wrong. prediction? Yeah, go on. Hit us with us. Another prediction. So he's he's been a uh, he's been banned from coming into Australia for the next three years. He'll play in the Australian Open next year. Oh, 100 uh, percent. That's, that's an easy. He'll prediction. do all the right things. He'll, yeah. he'll he'll they'll let him back in next year, especially if there's a change in government. They'll let him back in. Yeah. But. We'll we'll see we'll see you know he's he's technically banned for three years but yeah, no, uh, he definitely won't be I don't think that'll hold up <laughs> yeah. yeah no you don't he can sit no there way. and say and do this because he's done all the wrong things but say it comes next year and COVID isn't an issue you're not going to say no to the number one tennis player in the world coming to play um, absolutely especially especially given what happened last year uh, it would be so interesting to see how it how the I guess the crowd yeah. react and the whole atmosphere of it would be would be an, an, uh, incredible. It'd be it'd be so it'd be a lot of money to let him back in. It'd be a lot of people wanting to go to watch the spectacle. Yes. So definitely. I think yeah, I think it's uh probably I think that part the the three year ban is probably played up a little bit to politics to then pull out a card next year and say oh look he's done the right thing since then let's let him back in and score some political points then yeah and then also tennis Australia to score some points for them there to play up you know the return of uh joker so definitely yeah so so yeah it'd be interesting i guess we'll we'll, we'll keep up to date with that next year <laughs> this time next year um ash's domination an absolute i guess whitewash 4.5 to nil which hey, someone put well which i thought was you was got well one. put <laughs> yeah i did i i'm not i'm not terrible at this game but yeah we'll touch yeah. on we'll touch on how bad i've been but i guess your Australian cricketers that you you can pull out of out of thin air. It's just incredible. Anywhere, yeah. Like I, I didn't just even know them out of left, right, and center. Didn't even know who Travis Head really was. Like no lies again, and it's not because he's not a big name. Like he's he's been around cricket for a while now, but he he stood up big time for for you guys. I yeah. mean, bringing Scott Boland out of the work and his, <laughs> what was his average under under ten still in, in single digits, and then obviously it was ridiculous. Um, yeah, so, I mean, a, a dominating series, I guess, only from my point of view, the English can take 
from it was this is probably the only Ashes situation, Ashes scenario, which is ever going to be this tough, where you know you have to do all the quarantine yeah. and they've been through quite a lot. So I think they can take that away from it. But for uh, cricket in Tasmania was fantastic, I must say. Even as mm-hmm. green as the wicket was, I do I love when you and, and, and I read an article on about getting rid of five five match series, and I was like, no, because every match has a potential to be different, and and having a green top like yeah. that is so like okay. Most ba- uh, most pitches favour batters, uh, especially in and down in Australia and in New Zealand. It's it's New Zealand especially is a batter's wicket, um, and I just love the idea that this was so hard to bat on that you you had to earn the right to bat on it. If you know what I mean. Um, mm. So I thought that was fantastic. As an Australian, your thoughts on the Ashes? I thought it was really great, and I think it's really great for cricket overall because we. It's sort of like you said, you know, with players like Travis Head or Jai Richardson and stuff, that if you're not the biggest cricket follower, which I'm not, you probably really hadn't heard their names that much uh, before unless you were really keeping up with it. But there's something about the Ashes where everyone tunes in and pays attention. And with the uh, ability and skill that Australia showed this series, um, those names are going to be uh, sort of etched into cricket history for quite a bit of time. Um, and probably no name more so than Scott Boland. You know, the... Uh, folk hero uh, stepping in when Australia needed him most, um, you know, Indigenous player, you know, hopefully leading the way for more Indigenous players in the future, um, and just some insane uh, statistical dominance as well. Uh, you know, we had as well some other great storylines that sort of some of the off-the-pitch stuff, you know, um, new captain right beforehand, how was Cummins going to handle it? I think everyone has uh, seen he's handled it really well and he's made some great captaining decisions. You know, Justin Langer, still a lot of uh, questions about his coaching and whether he's going to stay in charge of test cricket. You know, I think he's made a very good case for himself that he will. And then even when Cummins stepped down, Steve Smith had to step back into that captaincy role. And then would he relinquish it with grace again? And he did. And so I think it's been a really positive summer for Australian cricket. And I think with the big bash going on now as well, it's only going to continue. Yeah, and I think you mentioned it. You actually did mention this in one of the earlier podcasts, um, was... You wanted to see a leadership moment from Pat Cummings, and we may not have fully seen that on the field so much, but I saw a couple of moments. Obviously, ball in hand, he was unreal again this series, and he's always going to be unreal for yeah. until he until he finally gets old. Um, but, yeah, he was unreal with ball in hand. And then that moment, I don't know if you saw it with Usman, with the alcohol at Celebrating the Ashes. You may not have picked that up already, but obviously Usman is a Muslim, and so, like many Muslims, they... Don't drink alcohol, don't do anything with alcohol. And as a good Australian team does, when you win a, a Ashes, a, a, any type of trophy, you celebrate with some wine flying everywhere. So that was happening, and Paddy just went to, to the boys, all right, chill out, let's get them back in so we can actually lift this thing. Um, and I thought that was, again, it's those little things that you don't yeah. note that I think he's taken on and, and the whole Australian team is kind of, that was instant respect that just stopped it. So I think... Very fearful from a New Zealander point of view. However, the way cricket's going, I don't know how many test matches against Aussie we'll, we'll get in the near future. Um, but I know we're touring yeah. this soon. I believe it's a, just a one-day and a T20 series, though. Um, but I may be wrong. Oh, well, it'll be interesting for us all the same. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then still on cricket, South Africa versus India. Um, a fiery series, it must be said. Um, and some Indians who weren't too happy with the old DRS um, mm. and screaming at stump mics about cheating and this and that, and I was like, this is the most typical Indian cricket team I've ever seen. Um, and it's led to, obviously, Virat Kohli stepping down as Indian captain, and, mm. I mean, he's done a fantastic job there to get them to the point, and they are, I always remember, and even with, like, MS Dhoni, and, that, and I see the transition from, like, you know, I had Tendulkar, probably greatest batter ever, then you kind of had MS Dhoni, and there was a little bit more of an edge to, like, that area of India, you know, Indians were always good at cricket, but they weren't, they weren't, they never took that step to like be the, they wanted to be the best in the world at like, as a team playing cricket. And then we saw MS Dhoni kind of come in and go, no, we want to be, we want to be the best team at all formats and, and you saw improvement. And then I think, especially with Coley coming in, it's this ruthlessness from an Indian team where they're just not taking shit. And it reminded me of kind of like a West Indies team. Like you don't often get up in the grill of a West Indies team because, they're, they're scary motherfuckers. And so it kind of was yeah. a bit like that. Like, Coley was like, you know what? I'm 
we don't back down, and they they tried it in South Africa, and they played. It's hard to win there, like they they haven't done it. I don't think in any of their series against South Africa. I read a stat. I think they're over from eight now, mm. um, and yeah, I, I just I was like, okay, this is this is the real India. Now he's obviously stepped back. I think it's it's not the wrong decision. He's thirty three. Focus on your game. Get someone else in there who can who can lead them to the next the next step, and I think it'll probably be better for his cricket. Um, but wow, again, a hell of a series. Um, South Africa um, are unearthing some gems um, as well. Uh, young batsman uh, Peterson, I think his name was. I don't want to get that wrong, but I probably have. Um, and it's not Kevin Peterson, but it was uh, something along that line. Um, and yeah, he was. He was fantastic. He scored a lot of runs in the first and second innings in that um, in that last test to kind of get them over the line. So, I mean, that's that's kind of the summer of cricket kind of built up to those two kind of boil over moments from India, um, just England choking yet again, and it was it was fantastic to watch. And uh, Sydney Sixers doing well in the Big Bash. I'll say that as a proud Sixers fan. <laughs> I know the Scorchers are on top, um, but. Sixes must be close behind the them. Yeah, they're chasing, yep. chasing, yeah, um, which is which is good. Um, and I'm sure as it gets to the the hotter stages of the competition to the finals, we will do some some reading and watching of that. Um, but let's Definitely. let's move on to the NFL, where we've just about had all the wild card playoffs. We've had all bar one, which is the Rams and the Cardinals tomorrow. So we know all the divisional uh, playoffs. And Husey went a fantastic. We're saying four from four so far, whereas I am two from five in our predictions. Um, to run us through our predictions, I went Raiders, Husey went Bengals, I went Pats, Husey went Bills, I went Cowboys, Husey went 49ers, then we both had the Bucks. Husey's got his asterisks there because he did mention, and you never bet against your team, and so his team, the Steelers, were playing the Chiefs, which yeah. it, it was it was one of the more unrealistic scenarios have they won so you've got to i've kind of said yeah. he's had to pick them which he has it was i think it was the 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 most of all of the wildcard playoff games it was the most disparate in the um betting predictions like i think the steelers were uh for a 14 or 15 point underdogs so yeah look i said if i was a neutral third party my head prediction would be the chiefs but as a steelers fan my heart prediction was the steelers so you know there's this this the stats at night and the look uh, you know, if we're going to run through the games, may as well start with that one, the most recent one that happened. Um, it started out well for the Steelers. <laughs> TJ Watt showed why he's Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, typical ball for a pick, and then pick up a fumble for a touchdown, score, scoring literally a third of the Steelers' points today. He also got himself a sack on the day, and it was actually a really tremendous duel between Pat Mahomes and TJ Watt, with Mahomes uh, faking the ball at various points, or TJ tipping him or getting pressure, leading other players to get sacked. It was overall... Uh, for a Steelers fan, it was a bit of a painful game because the offense didn't get started rolling until like the third quarter and you just throw your hands up and be like, what the hell's going on? So Steelers yeah. got to fire their offensive quarter. <laughs> their, their defensive quarter has got to retire. And, so they've got to get two new coordinators in there, get a new quarterback and make some changes elsewhere and re-sign Juju Smith-Schuster. He's by far their best and most consistent wide receiver. That's a whole other storyline that we didn't get to touch on last time because between the last episode of recording and this one, Juju Smith-Schuster made his miraculous return from injury he said in his post-game interview today he was told when the injury happened he was going to be out for six months and he said to himself i'm going to be back in three and he was back within three months which is a pretty incredible return from shoulder surgery and uh yeah so all of that in there the chiefs just looked by far and away the better team Definitely. as they as they are and pat mahomes and travis kelsey and co look like they're heading back to the super bowl and i guess from from a neutral perspective of it First couple of quarters, even when you led 7-0, you were like, even all the way up to that first kind of before they scored at, at halftime, you were like, oh, they're still in this contest. But you just, the Chiefs gave you an opportunity and you couldn't take the opportunity, if you know what I mean. Like you have exactly. you have to be perfect when you're playing the Chiefs. And it was just a 100%. sit and tat and you just knew that, that it, it's, it's bend and break against them. And in the end, you're just going to end up breaking if you don't break them first. So, um, I mean, yeah, good game. Uh, I think the best game was the Raiders versus the Bengals, followed closely by Absolutely. 49ers and the Cowboys. Um, if we're just saying the game for the game, I think the Raiders showed exactly what I kind of said was expected. They hang in there and they tend to win those games. They just couldn't get over the line this time. Um, and I think... well. 
we got to put an asterisk next to this game. And yeah. I think a lot of the NFL community is putting asterisks next to this game because of that controversial whistle. And I, I found out today that the uh, referees for that game have been uh, suspended for the rest of the playoffs and had yeah, half their game checks cut. Because for those that didn't watch the game, there was a play, I believe it was in the third quarter, where uh, Joe Burrow ran towards the sideline and then threw a touchdown to Jamar Chase. Now, as uh, Joe Burrow ran towards the sideline, the sideline referee blew his whistle. Um, now, he wasn't supposed to blow his whistle because Joe Burrow wasn't out of bounds at that point, so he blew his whistle prematurely. Regardless of that, the NFL rules state that once the whistle is blown, the play is dead. So the play was dead at that point, but Joe Burrow threw the ball and was caught by Jamar Chase for a touchdown, and they were given the touchdown. So there's two mistakes by the crew on this one play. One, blowing the whistle too early, and two, once they've blown the whistle, not the, play's not, the play should be dead at that point. The Raiders, once you hit the whistle, you're taught to play to the whistle. As soon as you hear the whistle, you back off. Otherwise, you're likely to get a penalty. So, you know, who could say whether that would have been a touchdown regardless of the whistle or not? I think 70% it was, but you never know. If you hesitate that half a step before making a play on the ball, and that totally changes the complexion of the game. I would, I would still, go the Raiders nearly percentage. came up and tied at the end. I would go higher percentage. Yeah. Like, that was like a whistle was blown, and it was like a split second froze the ball, and it was like, I don't think anything stops it there. Um, even watching the replays, I was like, I, I don't mean anything stops it. And I understand like why all of this is happening. And I'm happy. The way the Raiders took it, I think, was the right way. You can't do anything. Yeah. Like, the score's on. Let's get on with it. And the fact that they just about came back and won it. And I mean, this is what annoys me, again, with all sports. This is an NFL in general. Okay, these officials, you know, again, are trying their best. They made a mistake. Let's not make a big deal about it. Just this should be kept. I, I don't need to know if they're getting half their debt. So I don't need to know if they're not getting in the playoffs. You can tell the Raiders that. And if the Raiders go and say that, fine. Like, I, I, I tend to think that you protect your referees until they're caught doing something really wrong with their, you know, betting on games and shit like that. Okay, then you ch- chuck them under the bus. But I just think keep that in the books. The NRL, I'll get fired up on it when we discuss the NRL because I think the NRL handled the referees terribly. And I just think, look, it was a mistake, clear mistake, should have been not a touchdown. It was play on everything. The, the Raiders still had a chance to win it without that. But again, like you said, there is a little little yeah. asterisk where you're going to go. Uh, uh, overall, that game was... See, I, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I think overall that game was pretty poorly officialed. And it comes down to the NFL not having their referees as full-time employees. So these referees aren't all year round training to hone their craft and to be the best referees that they can be. And I think when you have a multi-billion dollar business like the NFL that now is involved legalized sports betting. So it's involving lots of people's money, lots of money changing hands and, you know, billions of dollars of, of betting can depend on that outcome. I think you need to professionalize the referees. And I think it's for the referees benefits as well. I think, uh, I agree with you that referees need to be treated with a high level of respect. I think the NFL does that for the most part, that they don't really tolerate much, uh, referee uh, giving crap to referees but uh i think you need to pay them as full-time employees stop treating them as part-time and have them training all year round have them meeting with the teams in the offseason teaching them the rules have them just doing anything to to up the level of it because it's it's really not up to standard at the moment and, and i think in the nfl more than any other sport really the referee really can make a huge impact on it because it is uh, such a play-by-play game there's there's no sort of i guess you look at the nrl or rugby it's sort of a continuous flow whereas the nfl is stop start stop start and each of those stop starts have got is ruled on essentially each one of those is like what we do in the podcast here is a court case and the uh, referees are the ultimate judges of that and i like some of the improvements they made i like the instant replay for the scoring from the league office i like the league office being able to look at plays and to rule them on the spot and to give the referees that advice in here i think it's trending in the right direction i think where it needs to get to is where they're paid full time. So that way they can train their craft and also they deserve it. It's a tough gig. It's a tough gig. You think you've got four weeks of preseason, you've got 18 weeks of the regular season. So it's 22 weeks there. And you've got five weeks of the, the postseason, including the pro bowl. So that's more than half a year's worth of work of just refereeing of just refereeing. Yeah. So I think they should pay them for the rest of the year round for improving the craft and going to teams and teaching them the rules. No, I agree, and I think that's uh, something I didn't even know. Like, uh, I, you have to be paying those guys year-round when you're such a big sport, and and this is what it bottles down to. And I guess now it's a good transition into the, the Cowboys versus the 49ers. And, yeah. And, I mean, I, again, I, I don't quite understand this, but 
these little things with this game ends up being decided by the fact that, yeah, okay, that play call at the end. And again, if you haven't watched the game, uh, Cowboys have about 14 seconds left. Dak Prescott does a, a quick run, looks to get down at about 15 me- uh, yards after his run, um, goes down, and they're looking for a quick snap to spike the ball. What then has to happen is <laughs> an umpire who's standing 15 metres already behind Dak Prescott before they hut the ball has to run all the way down to try and touch it to respot it. And by that time, he's been into players, this and that, and the Cowboys don't get the ball off. Now, you can sit there and you can blame the Cowboys, and there's definitely some argument to be made. Oh, you've got to do this, you've got to do that differently. Shouldn't have taken the slide, shouldn't have run for as long. All of these things. These guys are multi-million dollar athletes. I have no issues with what the refs and anything did in that game, and I know that I'm assuming Dak's going to probably end up in some trouble if you didn't see his post-game talk, where <laughs> they <laughs> he went on to... I, 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 want, to, I want to talk about that okay, in a second cool. when we're talking about this play. <laughs> yes, so, so I'll let Hughesy cover off on that. But, yeah, so basically, from my belief, refs don't do anything wrong. It's the end of the game. That's what happens. My issue was a multi-million dollar sport, uh, a massive game on national TV, and you're leaving it down to a... A ref, and again, he's, he's in pretty good nick for for an old guy sprinting 40-odd yards to get a touch onto a ball so that they can hut it. I know it's in the rules, and I'm, I'm 100% fine with how that game ended. It just it left a slight sour taste in my mouth where I was like, "Yeah, I would rather them be able to go, okay, like, I, I don't know how they do it, but they deserve to have a play there, and I think the 49ers deserve to have a chance to defend it. And that's how you want to see a game in. You don't want to see a game in because the ref couldn't get to the ball or spot it or move it and stuff like that. Like Even if yeah. Dak had found the ref, because that was the argument he found is pass the ball to the centre, I don't know if they get it off in time. So it's just, it's yeah, it's a interesting thought, yeah. and I'll let you kind of take over NFL, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I, get, I get why it's a rule, because you have to make sure the ball is spotted in the right spot. So I get why it's a rule. I think there were other referees around that could have put the ball in the spot. And so I think the formality of exactly which referee has to, has to put it in there. Uh, yeah, it is, it's a, it's an odd one and it's, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to find a solution that satisfies the rules and why the rule is there. And as well leaves a satisfactory experience to fans. Uh, so I don't really know with that. However, what I do know is that the Cowboys fans after the game throwing rubbish and bottles at the referees is not acceptable. And then Dak Prescott in his post-game press conference saying, you know, good for them throwing it at the referees, you know, you know, saying, you know, we get stuff thrown at us, so the referees should get stuff thrown at them. That's not on at all. And he even had a chance to backtrack later, um, and he doubled down on it. And I think that's unacceptable. I think it's disgusting, really, to, to cheer on having stuff thrown at people when... Those referees haven't done anything wrong, like we said. And even even if they had done something wrong, even if they missed a play call or whatever, you should never, ever endorse that kind of behavior. You're, as you mentioned, they are multi-million dollar athletes. You're professional athletes. You're paid to throw a ball around the field, right? Have a little bit of class about it. Have a little bit of respect for your opponents. Have a little bit of respect for the referees. And I, look, I, I was pretty... You know, I, I wanted to see Dak have success, but after those comments, I really, I, I really think he needs to mature. And I think in, in the coming days, he's probably going to regret what he says, or at least I hope he does. And he's definitely going to get a hefty fine from the league office, and he better cop every cent of it because that was a, a really a poor message to be sending out there to uh, the kids at the game because. You know, that's the thing. You know, everyone thinks like, okay, well, you know, so what of it? You know, it's an NFL game. It's NFL refs. But it filters down to the kids. It filters down to, you know, your Pop Warner Leagues, to your high school, to uh, college. And, you know, what happens in one of those games when some part-time referee, some local uh, dad helping out the school referee game, and one of these kids who at this stage is a fully grown man, disagrees the ref's call, sees Dak that says it's acceptable for, to throw crap at the referees, and decides to take out his anger on the referee and belt the crap out of him. We've seen it. I've seen uh, clips all the time of uh, football leagues in lower league football leagues where the players have just attacked the referees and stuff and you know that's that's dangerous enough as it is when you're hulked out in in a full nfl kit with the helmet you could do some serious damage to a person and at the lower levels that you know that's typically where the worst injuries happens is in the lower league where people aren't as uh they don't know their uh own strength they don't know how to tackle and stuff properly they don't know what they can do to another person and so that's where it filters down to that level. And 
you know, I'm sure people will be like, oh, well, you know, athletes aren't supposed to be role models. They're not supposed to be heroes. Well, guess what they are? Kids look up to athletes. Kids look up to them as role models. And if you hear your role model saying you should throw trash at the referee if you disagree with your call, then, uh, you know, you need to know that that's the, that's the influence you have on people. And I think Dak should come out and apologize ASAP for that. Yeah, and I, I agree and disagree to, to some of your points. I agree that athletes are forced to be role models. And I think this is... One of those ones where there's no, there's no answer to it other than that was wrong. Like you know what I mean. Like there's yeah. moments where I go, okay, like this isn't the athlete's job to be doing this. But I agree with you. Yeah, there, there was just it wasn't the wrong decision. Like if it was, if it was the wrong decision in the heat of the moment. You can get that way, and you can get frustrated, and you can say stuff like that. But like you said, double down on it. It wasn't the wrong decision. Um, so he's just taking his frustrated frustration out on everyone else because of what happened to him for what he did and for what they did as a team. And again, right to be disappointed. And I think this, it's funny because as soon as I heard this, I was like, mate, they're from Dallas, Dallas, Texas. Like if anything, he's going to get a standing ovation for what he just said. Like the the pressure that gets put on those guys that they have to win. Yeah. Damn right. He's going to say that when he knows the fans, if it's not them, it's us mentality. It definitely felt like a bit Mm. um, like, like Dak. So, I mean, Hell of a game, I must say. Again, 49ers yeah. uh, stood up big time. Dallas, like you said, there was always something off. And again, they were just about like, I think I, I had a feeling like if they get that play down to that, that they, they spot that ball, they get that play. I feel like they win it. I don't know why, but I was like, they just looked so good in that last drive. And I was like, oh, 49ers have played this too, too safe. Here we go, Kyle Shanahan. Here we go. You've done it again. And I was like, oh, no. But, but in the end... Who's your right? 49ers get yeah. the win. So that well, one... I think as well, the uh, the Cowboys, they, they play a little bit like the Steelers do, where the first half, they just seem a little bit off on offense, and they turn up the second half. They did it against Arizona as well uh, in the regular season, where the first half, they were super quiet, and then the second half, just something clicked, and they just exploded. So, and it's a bit disappointing for them to, to go out. I think they've got a tremendously talented team, and uh, yeah, it's, it's just a shame that the way the game was managed... Uh, forced it to come down to that single call, which at the end of the day, if it comes down to a, a single call like that, then, you know, you haven't really, uh, you know, you, every team doesn't want their game to come down to a single call. You, no. should, you want to be winning in domineering fashion like the uh, Buccaneers yeah, do, do to the Eagles. Do what the Bills and the Bucks do. If you want to, if, you, if yeah. you don't want to leave it up to the rest, and I guess this is the, the UFC, which we'll touch on later, uh, Dana White always says, "Don't leave it to the judges. Like if you if you yeah. want to win, you knock them out, you submit them, you force them to give up, but you don't leave it to the judges." And and in the end, I guess the Cowboys can say they left it to the judges. So did the Raiders. Whereas you saw the Bills and the Bucks put up dominating displays against against good teams. The Pats had shown they were a good team. Yeah, okay, they may not be the level, but if you go, okay, Pats or Raiders, who are you probably taking? You're probably taking the Pats. Um, Eagles probably probably the weakest, other than maybe the Raiders, Steelers as well, in there, in there. But if they turn up and if they played eagle ball, they you know they could have been in with a shot. So I think yeah, Buccaneers and Bills, we don't have to touch too much on them. That was a dominating performance. So we'll kind of get into the divisional round now and our our predictions on the divisional playoff championships. Um, for me, first we'll go first. So the first, the games are seated like this, and this is where I'm announcing them of the time when they're going to be played. So the first game is Bengals versus Titans at Tennessee. Second game is 49ers versus Packers at Green Bay. Then it's the Card- Cardinals or the Rams versus the Bucks at Tampa Bay. Um, that game's tomorrow, um, so we'll know a bit more there. And then lastly, it's Bills at the Chiefs. So we'll start with the Bengals and Titans. I'm not even putting... Actually, we'll go back to our wild guard predictions and we'll, we'll, we'll make sure everyone knows what happened. I was 2 of 5, okay, team? I was 2 of 5. Two of my losses were the Cowboys and the Raiders. The other one's the Pats, so I can sit there and go, okay. I picked the Cardinals, so we can almost guarantee the Rams are making it in. But... <laughs> Like I said, I, Husey messaged me with some laughter and just having a go at me. And I said, look, I've read some studies. I have read some studies. Catching COVID actually makes it less likely to predict sporting events. Um, and and yeah. as you can see, I got one right, that the ashes came pre my COVID battle. So I got COVID and then all there of a go. sudden my sporting event 
predictions went down the drain and it hasn't been peer reviewed yet so you know we'll wait we'll, we'll wait until I, I i know what happened actually i know what happened it's you 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 sneezed on the almanac that we got from marty mcfly oh. and you smudged the text oh so i didn't actually read and write i see but you got the yeah. clean version yeah, see my my copy was the clean exactly uh, yeah so that was the issue so That's yeah a, covid got yeah. into me i sneezed this is why uh, just a shout out to my girlfriend who actually believed that story and said does it actually and i said what are you talking about? But yes, so I'm turning around now. There's Did you no... believe the one about the uh, COVID and the one and a half inches thing as well? <laughs> oh, back off that. No, she does not believe that. <laughs> um, okay, good. <laughs> yes, we'll go uh, into it. So I'm not, I'm not picking score lines. I'm not picking score lines. I'm just picking a team. Bengals versus Titans. If I pick your team, I apologize now because they're probably going to lose. Uh, Titans. I've gone Titans. I get home with the week off. Bengals didn't do enough for me against the Raiders to deserve to win. I'll run for all mine, and then, Husey, you can actually tell us what's going to really happen. Um, then 49ers versus Packers. I'm tempted here to chuck out a, a rogue one and go 49ers, but I also kind of hope the Packers lose, so I'm picking the Packers, um, <laughs> and the chances are then the 49ers will win. So I've gone Titans, Packers, two homes teams. Then it's the Cardinals slash the Rams versus the Bucks. I don't care who's playing the Bucks. From what I saw from the Bucks, from what I saw from Tom Brady, they're making it back to the NFC Championship. So my NFC Championship is the Bucks and the Packers because I think the Bucks win. Now this is where it gets spicy. This is where the COVID, mm -hmm. the spicy cough comes in, and it goes. Actually, you know, you've 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 overcome COVID and you've had enough days. We're going to give you your powers back. I'm picking the Bills to beat mm. the Chiefs. I think they okay um, undo their wrongs of last year and they go. Okay, we just smoked our divisional rivals. Not even, not even. Like, the Steelers were in that game a little bit. The Pats were never in our game. We're going to come out, and we're going to do the same to you, Chiefs. And I think they put on a smashing and beat the Chiefs and go to the AFC Championship game, which will be a surprise AFC Championship game if you had the Bills versus the Titans. Um, but that is those are my predictions. Again, I apologize if I picked your team. We're now going to hand over to Mr. NFL himself, the man, the myth, the legend, yeah. has picked everything right so far. Right. And so now... Here he is, Mr. NFL. Da, 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 da. Okay, equipping my uh, 2022 vision here. Uh, alrighty. Uh, look, this actually going to come as a surprise to you, but I agree with most of your picks. So, first game, Bengals at the Titans. I'm uh, picking the Titans there. Derek Henry's going to be back. He's had uh, his bye week off. The Titans have had a week to get healthy. They showed tremendous improvement even without Derrick Henry when they got A.J. Brown back, and he's had a week off to get even healthier. Julio Jones caught his first touchdown pass of the season at the end of the year. The Titans are getting hot at exactly the right time. I also agree with you that the Bengals uh, didn't beat the Raiders convincingly enough for me, and as well, I think their star defensive player, Trey Hendrickson, has copped an injury, so he's going to be limited at the very least during practice this week and might even be out. And they've had some issues along the defensive line, and that is just music to the ears of Titans fan because Derrick Henry will run through those gaps like nobody's business. So I'm picking the Titans in that game. Then we flip over to the NFC and we have the 49ers at the Packers. I think the Packers are going to win. The 49ers, uh, Fred Warner copped an injury during the game. I think he was able to, to make it back. But again, he's going to uh, weigh him down a little bit. And the Packers are getting healthy at the right time as well. They've got a slew of defensive stars coming back, including, I think, Zadaria Smith. So they've got a lot of defensive players uh, coming back at just the right time. Uh, Jimmy G still wasn't 100% in that game, still had some mistakes. Uh, and I think the Packers can exploit it a lot better than the, the Cowboys do. And I think there's a big difference between playing in a nice cushy dome in Dallas compared to playing in outdoors freezing uh, Lambeau Field. So uh, the 49ers, though, I think of uh, of the two NFC games, they've got the best chance to upset because I think they're built to, to play in some of those tough games, especially with Debo Samuel, uh, Eli Mitchell running the ball. But I think the Packers this year are just too good. I think they're too well balanced. I think the defense has come a long way. So I'm picking the Packers in that one. Uh, heading over now to the Buccaneers versus Rams slash Cardinals. Uh, I'm going to agree with you that the Buccaneers are going to win this one. Uh, I don't see... Uh, and look, maybe this will change after we see the game tomorrow if the if one of these teams comes out and absolutely wows us. Um, if the Cardinals... I think if the Cardinals beat the Rams, I don't think the Cardinals beat the Bucks. I think the Rams are the only one that have somewhat of a chance against the Bucks to take them down, given they did it earlier in the season and the power of their defensive unit. But Matthew Stafford has seemingly regressed in the second half of the season, uh, and it's the offense I don't trust as much. Uh, 
But again, who knows what we'll we'll see tomorrow? We might see the Rams come out and absolutely blitz the blitz the place. Uh, but I still think I'm going to take in the playoffs Tom Brady. There's yes. he is Mr. Playoff. He is Mr. Clutch. Um, and it just feels wrong to see Tom Brady go out in the divisional round, you know? Like, at least he's got... It's either, like... You know, he's got to go out in, like, the NFC Championship game or in the Super Bowl. Like, yeah. I just don't... I don't, The divisional round is so weird to feel like Tom Brady's going to get out there. Uh, yeah, look, you know, the, the, the Rams or the Cards are a different beast than what the Eagles are. The Eagles are a young team, inexperienced, as, as you've noted, um, whereas the Cards and the Rams are a bit more seasoned. But I think regardless of that, in Tampa Bay... You know the Floridian crowd rocking. Yeah, I, I'm picking the Bucks in that one. I don't. I think they're going to be tough to stop. Where we disagree is the next <laughs> game. Is the Chief, Is the Bills at the Chiefs? Look, the what the Bills did was impressive. Every single possession, bar the ones where they knelt down, they score a touchdown. That's impressive. That's unprecedented in NFL history. However, however, there's a difference between the Chiefs and and the Patriots. And the Chiefs' defense has come a long way this year. They're one of the best defenses in, in football right now. The I, I said it at the time, and I'll say it again. I think the Melvin Ingram trade during the season was the biggest move of the season. Overall, I, I, I said it over, during the regular season, but I'm going to say including the offseason and everything. I think it was the biggest move of the season. And it's a it's a move that worked out for, for both teams because the Steelers got some good pass rushers, uh, like Taco Charlton, who got a sack against Patrick Mahomes today. And the Chiefs got a good pass rusher and run stopper in Melvin Ingram. So it's truly a trade that worked out for both teams, but definitely the Chiefs have gotten uh, the best out of it because obviously they beat the Steelers today. And, and it really has given them more flexibility in their defense. It's allowed them to stuff the run a lot better and where the Bills have come to life these last few weeks is in their running the ball. I think the Chiefs are built to deal with that because they go against in practice every day one of the best uh, scrambling and time-buying QBs in Patrick Mahomes, uh, who can make some of the most insane throws out there. He and Josh Allen have got some of the most crazy arm talent in the NFL. So I think the Chiefs' defense is going to be used to seeing that kind of thing. And they played during the year, don't forget, Justin Herbert and Derek Carr twice, both of whom have got really good arm talent as well. They played the Bills earlier in the year. They played the Titans earlier in the year. They played a whole slew of really good teams during the year, as you do when you're the number one seed. And I think the Chiefs are built for this game. It's going to be an arrowhead again. I'm taking the Chiefs. Fair enough. Um, so what we've found out today... Is I apologise to all the Bills Mafia out there because I've obviously jinxed you now because if Hughesy's agreed with me with three of the picks, um, chances are my last pick's not going to be any good. <laughs> but yes, there are our picks. So Titans, Packers, Bucks, guaranteed. Put your house on it. Bills and yeah. Chiefs, just watch out. Um, I, the only place I disagree with you, I actually think the Cardinals would give the Bucks a tougher matchup than the Rams, but. Again, we'll see whoever makes it actually through that. If they have DeAndre Hopkins, but he's not in. He's 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 injured, and he might not even be back next week, even if they make it through this week. So without DeAndre Hopkins, I don't think they do. If they I, have DeAndre Hopkins, maybe. I don't even, I don't think any team's beating the Bucks anyway, but I think the cards give them mm. a bit of challenge. However, there are our picks. Hughesy knows more than me. He's Mr. NFL, not like I can speak. So, hey, um, on to the Australian Open just quickly. Now... Husey, do you know much about tennis? Uh, I I know uh, a couple of the players in there. So <laughs> yes. if you want some quick predictions for for men's winner and women's winner, that's, that's about uh, all I can give you. I don't think this is going to be. <laughs> I don't think this is going to be particularly controversial. But I think Rafa is going to win. I think Rafa is going to be the most uh, like celebrated player on the court because of his comments against Djokovic. So I think that he's going to have the friendliest crowd uh, he's ever had at, in Australia. Yep. So I think he's going to win that. And then I think Naomi Osaka is going to win the women's side of things and silence all of the doubters who uh, took shot at her for pulling out of uh, the, uh, I think it was the French Open last year yes. for yeah. um, for mental health reasons. So I think she comes back and silences everyone. Don't pick up I would Aussie. love to see a Naomi Osaka. I, I'd, love to, I'd love to see... Uh, Naomi Osaka versus Ash Barty final. I think that'd be really good. I think uh, it'd be a great uh, storyline for tennis. I think they're both tremendous players. Um, I, I think Naomi Osaka's better. Um, Barty is the world number one for sure, but uh, Osaka's had some time off and things like that. And I just I, I just truly think she is the, the better player. I think she's one of the, the best tennis players we've seen in a long, long time. And I think she 
uh, flies a little bit under the radar. It's a little bit been living in the shadow of you know the the Williams sisters and uh, Ash Barty to a certain extent recently. So hopefully she can sort of assert her dominance and become the new uh, number one out there. I know she's quite popular in the uh, in the US, but of course here in Australia it's a big Barty party. So you know, it's um, be good to it'd be good to see a good matchup between the two of them. I think. It would be good. Um, and so, yeah, you're not going to need a lot of tennis analysis from me, but I've done some reading and I've done some research, all right? Yeah. So, means I've got Rafa as, as, as the lead, as I think he's most likely to pull it out out of the team. I think Andy Murray's an outsider. Um, he's paying about 60, 60 plus dollars. And if he can find form, he's got the experience to get there. Um, and obviously there's the, the two favorites. I'm not even going to try and pronounce their names. Um, the Russian and I think it's a uh, German. Um, so those two, um, but I think Rafa, Hard like, analysis here. Oh shit. Yeah. Um, I, I read, the, I read their names and I was like, I'm not even trying that. Um, but yes, I think Rafa's as the one. Now here's where we get good. Here's how we get really spicy. All right. The woman's I've picked an Australian. Mm -hmm. All right. And it's not oh, yeah. Marty. All right. Oh, okay. it's, a, it's a legendary name, and this is this is this is the storyline that's going to be the greatest of storylines. And I'm building this up like it's going to be something special. But she plays tomorrow, I believe it's tomorrow morning or tomorrow night, um, and she actually plays the number two ranked Australia uh, ranked woman. Again, a Bulgarian lady, I think. Can't pronounce her name. Not going to try to. But the Australian woman's name is Storm Sanders. Now, don't tell me that's not a great name, right? So that's she great name. she plays the second um, ranked Australian woman tomorrow. If she wins that, she's got a good chance of kind of getting through to the fourth round before she has to even play another ranked opponent. Now, I'm just thinking, here's the thing. Ash Barty's on the other side. I think even Saki yeah. might be somewhere around the other side. I didn't quite work that out when it got down to quarterfinals, semifinals. It might be a bit different. But if the skill can beat the number two player tomorrow and she can get on a roll, I think Storm Sanders, she was paying about $300 in sports bet, is your biggest outsider. But Australia will lose their mind. And I'm thinking, how about a Storm yeah. Sanders versus a Barty final? Storm against Barty, let's good. have a party, let's rock all night. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, she plays the, the Belarusian. Belarusian, uh, yes. <laughs> Aranya Sabalenka is who she plays tomorrow. There you go. So yeah. if she beats her, everyone watch out for Storm Sanders. I'm just saying it here. You've heard it yeah. here first. Hard-hitting analysis. Um that that is my prediction. Watch out! And if she does and win, and it's a, it's a, a Daniil uh, Medvedev is the is the is, Russian you're thinking of. Is the Russian, yes. Um, and he'll probably go on and win it, and everyone will be like, okay, well, you know, this is all this build up for that. But um, that is our Australian <laughs> Open predictions, our Australian Open analysis, deep. Um, and yeah. if you have some money to throw away, Storm Sanders, um, UFC two seventy, the UFC's back. We'll have a pay-per-view, and boy, other than two fights, it's a bloody shocker. They haven't given us much, but it's Ngannou versus Cyril Gain, um, Cameroonian versus a Frenchman. Both speak French, so not really massive English speakers, so it's kind of hard to, I guess, attach yourselves to them and see them get angry at each other, and I think there's a lot of respect. Um, both have been in, in and around camps together, so there's a lot of respect there. Um, I know Nganu, this is his last fight on this contract, so that'll be an interesting kind of storyline throughout there. Um, but I think it's going to be a massive fight. The heavyweight championship of the world, it's kind of these two have been building to this fight. Um, as Cyril Gaines now undefeated, Nganu only had... Uh, a couple of losses, a couple of blimps on his his journey to the championship. I'm very excited for this fight. I only see this going two ways. Ngannou over knocks him out in the first couple of rounds, or Gang just dominates the fight, shows how much of a better fighter he is. Um, but Ngannou can and will knock people out. I don't know if you've ever seen it. He's got one of the best knockouts ever, um, and it's this uppercut. I'm going to send it to you after this so I'm you can see it. I probably have seen it, but I probably don't know the names of the names. Yeah, and um, it looks like the guy's head just about comes off. That's how incredible it was. Um, but I think predictions again. I'm making another prediction. I should stop making predictions after I've had COVID because we know they don't turn it around. But Ngannou, if he wins this, yeah. he's going to boxing because there's a lot more money in boxing and he's a lot better fighter. Even if he doesn't, win it, but he puts on a good enough performance with his hands, I think that ends up happening. So I think the UFC loses him here, but I think best for the UFC is if Gain wins and becomes your championship, uh, becomes your champion, and then you need someone, and I kind of hope it's John Jones, someone just dirty that you can 
kind of hate come out and say, I hate you, Cyril Gain, and you suck, and I hate everybody who's ever been born in France or something like that, because there's no there's no passion. No passion, you know, have you ever seen that Chelsea meme? I'll have to put that, <laughs> put that over this video, God. Um, and so, yeah. yeah, I think I think that's that's definitely the way this will go. The second fight, and the only other really interesting fight, is Moreno versus Figueiredo. Figueiredo. Um, those two, they've fought twice already, and I believe it's the flyweight division. Um, Figueiredo, I think it was a tie the first time, um, so held his bout, and Moreno won the second one by submitting him. Um, this is kind of like the, the two best fighters of this division meeting yet again, and they're the only two fighters in this division you could see meeting. These guys could probably fight five times, and it would be highly entertaining. I've got, purely for an entertainment expert, I've got Figueiredo to win, so that they'll probably do it a fourth time, because I think I could sit there and watch these two guys fight. Uh, one's Brazilian, one's Mexican. Marino's the Mexican, Figueiredo the Brazilian. Again, highly entertaining. They don't hate each other, which is which is a right. Like you normally see USA UFC fighters, and you've got to go. They hate each other, but these guys kind of, kind of like each other, and you can just tell love to fight. Um, so it's going to be entertaining. So that's kind of that's pretty much it. Other than that, Greg Hardy's on the card, who bitched and moaned about how. Taito Ivasa got lucky against him, and I'm like, shut the fuck up. No one cares because he's awesome. You don't do showies. You beat woman. We don't want to hear from you, Greg Hardy. Yep. Um, so that's UFC 270, um, which uh, I'll probably give you a rundown via Instagram and Facebook. All I have to say about that is I hope Greg Hardy gets his face beaten. So. <laughs> there we go. Hughes' analysis. Excellent. But yeah. we stay in the fighting world. It's boxing. It's in Australia. It's Sunny Bill is back. He's going up against Barry Hall, who drew against Paul Gallen most recently. Uh, bad boy AFL um, player Sydney Swans, I believe. Was he? Yes. Um, yeah. Barry Hall, big ball guy. Uh, yeah. Good fighter. Um, it's going to be a great fight, I think. And I think Sonny Bill, I've got here written in my predictions. Sonny Bill will knock the living daylight out of Barry Hall and then go on to fight Paul Gallen. Yeah. Now, that's, that's an an arrogant and kind of a hopeful prediction because Barry Hall, to give him credit, is actually a better fighter than just going to go and get knocked out. And he showed it against Paul Gallen, who's arguably the best, I think, other than probably mundane, sportsman turned fighter in this in our day and age. Yeah. So your thoughts, Husey? Yeah, look, I, it's a very tough one, this one, for me, because on the one hand, it's Australia versus New Zealanders, so you pick the Australian. But on the other hand, it's Rugby Union slash League versus AFL, so I'm going to pick Rugby Union slash League. So it's like, where do I where do I fall on this one? Where do I, my true loyalties lie? I guess, is it to the sport or to the nation? And um, I'm sorry, Australia, it's to the sport. I can't betray my, my rugby and rugby league roots. I just can't support an AFL player. I'm sorry, I just can't. It's not in me to do. And, um, yeah, I hope Sonny Bill uh, wins. I hope it's an entertaining fight that they all have. I think that uh, the way that Paul Gallen has sort of really brought a whole lot of uh, attention to to boxing, I think is really good. Because you see he because there's kind of been, I guess, two sort of celebrity boxing movements. There's been the American one, which is you've had, like, the Jake Paul, Logan Paul. Yeah. Total shit, totally rigged, obviously rigged fights. Right, and it's just chatting crap to people to build up uh, hype and to make lots of money and paying people off. It's just it really is terrible for the sport. Then you've got sort of what I see as the Australian celebrity boxing movement, <coughs> where they brought in like particularly the NRL players who are really getting into it. And I think that's great. I think the event they had at the uh, I think I don't know during 2021 and Junior Paulo just beating the living daylights out of I think it was Ben Hannett. And yep. getting his win, uh, I don't know if it was via knockout or via uh, the fight being stopped, but just whatever it was, he, you could see the the passion in that, and it was there was all, and that's really been brought on by Paul Gallen since he's uh, he's left uh, playing professional rugby league, and uh, I think it's really good for the, the sport, and he he draws attention to it at the end of his at the end of his last fight against uh, Barry Hall, he with all the people cheering him on and the big game check uh, big match check he got, he said, well how about some support for these uh, other guys, and he went and split half of it with uh, the people that were on his undercard. Mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, really good, and I hope uh, that it brings more attention to the, the local sport because, uh, you know, other than a few 
sort of uh, superstars you hear about. It's not really um, that big of a thing here in, in Australia. You know, you've got your, your Tim Zoo before that. You sort of had Jeff Horn and uh, Mundine and stuff like that. So it was always like the big superstar matches are the ones that got all the attention. But uh, yeah, I think I think it's good overall. I mean, you know, anything that brings attention to sport and gets people out and watching sport, I think is good. So um, I like the way that Gallon goes about it. He trash talks, but he doesn't do it in like a fake way. Like mm. you, 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 he, he's good. At, he, it's, it's it's the Australian larrikin and banter and things like that that the Americans can't ever hope to reproduce in their fake trashy celebrity <laughs> rigged boxing. Yes, and I, I think you could tell it was serious when you call out a guy like Justice Honey, uh, Justice. Yeah. Any, um, yeah, like that was like, okay, Gallon's taking this, like, as much as you could say, oh, yeah, he's beaten up on guys who are quality opponents, like, he hadn't fought slobs before him, yeah. but it wasn't like when he was like, I'm willing to step in with a kid who's going to be the future of Australian heavyweight boxing and put his body on the line and wanted to just get to the end. It was been like, it doesn't even matter if he never fought again or if he does fight again, he's mm. done enough to earn the respect of Angus. That's a rocky moment. Yeah, definitely. And. I think yeah, even even the Lusick one you just saw and it was like, man, that was that was as, as I don't think the fight was that great and, and the card and they had issues mm. and stuff. At least it, it definitely builds up the idea of of, of this and I yeah. this is what I think it's all circling around to Sonny Bull versus Paul Gallon and once that finally happens, I think that'll be like, Okay, like let's now push Gallon will start to push some of these these actual boxers. Again, yeah. I'm not saying he's not an actual boxer, but some guys who are who are doing it full time. This is all they've got um, in the right direction, and yeah. hopefully get some more um, fights and stuff like that, and, and big shows over here. But yeah, I think that'll be fantastic. Um, but yeah, just to finish, we have a Husey. Make me a list. All right, we did this yeah. last week. Husey gave us his five go yeah. athletes. Again, haven't told him, right. but this time what have he you got is for me? getting a list. And Husey, I would like as as the Australian you are. As born and bred, I would like you to make me a list, no number, as many people as you want to name, of the best Australian sportsmen slash women. And you can order it if you want. If you want to go, oh, I think the greatest Australian sportsman is mm. Alex Hughes. Then you can say that. But I will disagree with you. But you can do a list just however you want. If you want to say, oh, I've got this group of eight yeah. that I've gone, these are my people. Take it away, Husey. Make yeah. me a list. Okay. All right. Well, I think if you ever ask uh, any Australian uh, their top sports uh, men and women, I think top of the list, uh, you have in or well, not even top, I guess not top of the list, but like first list, the first thing that comes to mind, I guess is the best way to say it, is uh, the great Don Bradman. Oh. Um, you know, just, it's, a, it's, a, it's an easy one to put in there, <laughs> but you, you know, how, an unrivaled, legend in the sport of cricket and uh someone that set the standard for australian cricket for the generations that have come since um and i think they yeah to have an impact on the sport the way he has had uh i think is pretty pretty darn impressive if i do say so um all righty uh who else who else um Okay, we had the Olympics last year, so this is pretty a name uh, that's kind of fresh on everyone's minds. Um, but uh, I've got two swimmers actually I'm putting in here. So the first swimmer I've got is uh, Ariana Titmus, um, tremendous, tremendous swimmer. Everyone loves a winner. She's a winner. <laughs> tremendous battle uh, in the Olympics against the American, um, who whose name I've, I've already forgotten. That's that's how that's how much Titmus was just so much better. Even was though they split was their it, medal was count. It Pro- yeah, probably, probably. <laughs> who who cares? Who cares? It's all about Ariana, and uh, so I'm putting her uh, up there because she's been uh, very very successful um, in in the Olympic arena, uh, and then also in the swimming pool. Um, one of the the legends of, of swimming when I was growing up, um, the uh, the big man himself, the Thorpedo. Thorpedo had to, Thor. had to be, <laughs> had to be, had to be. You know, the Thorpedo. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's just for for the longest time was regarded as the the best uh, swimmer who's ever done it. I think until Phelps uh, came along and it's just been continually winning gold after gold after gold. But uh, Ian Thorpe, and I think one other thing that gives me uh, that that weighs in Thorpe's favour for me is his um, 
work sort of outside of the pool, particularly in talking about mental health and his struggles with his uh, sexuality and his identity and things like that. So I think that's a really positive impact he's had outside of the pool as well as in it. And I think that is part of being a sportsman, um, particularly uh, in the uh, Australian uh, arena. Um Look, uh, it would, I wouldn't be an, an Australian rugby fan if I didn't say Michael Hooper. Um, I mean, all, you know, we were discussing it. Wallabies, you could have chosen, you choose Hooper. Yeah, I mean, I think we I think we we'd talk, we'd talk about... A, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. I think he's the kind of player that could play in any era of rugby. And I think it's more of a thing of the uh, cast around him rather than any aspersions on his own character and ability. Uh, you know, if he'd been playing in any of those uh, previous World Cup teams, I think if he'd played in the, the uh, 2003 World Cup team, Johnny Wilkinson never kicks that uh, that uh, field goal to, to win him the World Cup. I think Australia takes that one. We've got three World Cups. So I think he's, uh, he's one of those players... He's like a like a Barry Sanders from the NFL, you know, tremendous player, recognised as probably the best ever, but never quite reached a championship. He he could in in two years' time, who knows? But uh, yeah, I think he's just one of the all-time greats of, of rugby, uh, regardless of era. So yeah, I'm I'm happy with uh with picking uh with picking Hooper, Hooper in that arena. Um, yeah. I think a really important one. Uh, I think a really important one to, to mention um, is Kathy Freeman. Uh, I think she was just absolutely amazing. And yeah, I, I half, because I was so young at the time, half remember watching her race in the 2000 Sydney Olympics. But I remember, what I remember more was her carrying the torch and, and that iconic bodysuit and everything like that. Like, she's just a name that every Australian knows uh, and every Australian recognises on instant sight that's the that's the impact she has uh so i don't think you can have a list of great australian sports people without having kathy freeman on it um and then i'm gonna put one more on the list and then this is going to be my list um and the last one on my list is patty mills Um, I think what he's done for Australian basketball is amazing. I'm so happy he got his medal finally in the latest Olympics. Um, I actually feel a bit bad that I didn't have it on my list of sporting moments of of, of 2021. Um, And yeah, I think he's showing his skills in the NBA. Now he's come from, you know, a situation here in Australia where, you know, we don't have the infrastructure around basketball that they have in America. He wasn't, brought up in that culture but he's still gone there and he's still shown that he's competing with the best in the world and i think that really encapsulates the australian spirit you know where yeah we're a big landmass for country but we're a small country in many respects in terms of our population in terms of our uh wealth and things like that and you know but i think we show up and we put ourselves against the best in the world and we we stand up and make people take notice of us. And we did that at the Olympics and we do that in sports. And I think Paddy Mills is one of those people for Australian sports that does it the right way. You know, you've got a Ben Simmons type there who I think he does a lot of it the, the wrong way. Um, you know, you can, you can argue about, you know, his contract situations and things like that and how he, how he's going around playing for the, the team and so on and so forth. But if I'm looking for an Australian basketball representative, as a reason he's the captain, I'm picking Paddy Mills every day of the week. Excellent. What a list. That was a good list. So what do you got? Sir Don. Yeah. Uh, Six. Yeah. Fitness, <coughs> Paddy Mills, Michael Hooper. Hoops. And Kathy Freeman. And Kathy Freeman. Good list. I like that list. Um, I, except for the rugby player, I think you've got a, about four other rugby players you could have definitely chosen in front of him. Four. I'm actually going to say you could probably have 20 rugby players in front of him. I can't believe Gregan's not on your list. All right, yeah. Uh, it's outrageous. Um, but yeah, it's your list. Not my choice, your list. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is that is us for this week. Yep. Um, not much else we've got. Yeah, the divisional games in USC 270, so we'll probably do something again. Uh, next week, next weekend, jump on, do another podcast, um, wrap it up, that, um, but we'll see from there, um, but yeah, other than that, just one, oh yeah, one last thought from me, Steelers, please, for the love of God, fire Matt Canada. 
<laughs> we need we actually we actually need to start doing this. We're just going to have you at the end of each podcast give us your one final thought, and ninety nine percent of the time it'll be a Steelers related issue because it has been. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you don't even know, mate. We're coming up to NRL season. We're going to start seeing some dragons. Oh uh, yeah, and see this is, this is the thing. You've had a you've had a pretty good season with the with, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. When you have the Dragons losing four on the trot, then then <laughs> then we're gonna have some questions. Yeah. So <laughs> Hook can get the hook. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. We've had some we haven't even talked about the NRL really much today, but there was some high praise coming out of the Dragons camp for some of the young guns. So it's uh, good to see hear what happens. Yeah we'll definitely, shock the world. Let's we'll, go Dragons. We'll definitely do some um, previews. We've got the previews of Super Rugby, previews of Six Nation preview of the NRL, all that stuff coming up. So we'll, we'll release those soon. But NFL's the, the, the hot topic at the moment. I will also sort out my lighting Absolutely. for next time we decide to do a, a mid-afternoon <laughs> uh, <laughs> evening evening podcast because my lighting just died on me. But that's all right. Other than that, it is a goodbye from me, Husey. Goodbye from you. And we're out. Peace. Done.